So what if we are just being? What if we are being present now and thinking about who we are, who we're being, and thinking about our healing, about the weight of trauma we may not be aware that we're carrying, you know? It all starts with awareness. So taking some time to be aware, okay, let's say, you know, I wasn't traumatized in ways that some people think. Like maybe, no, I wasn't sexually assaulted, but I am a person of color, so I've experienced racism. Welcome to Vinyasa Inverse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hey loves, welcome to another episode of Vinyasa Inverse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope that wherever you are, as you're listening to this, you are able to take just a moment to be aware of your body and what it feels like to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and to find beauty in that simple breath. And so today it is around election time. Uh, At the time of this recording, we don't have any results yet. But I wanted to at least acknowledge that in this podcast episode, uh, because a lot of feelings are rising high, and there seems to be tension and anxiety and all kinds of things sizzling in the air. So I wanted to acknowledge that before I turn to our great oracle, Hafez. And so I hope wherever you are, you're able to just have a moment of peace by closing your eyes and taking that one deep breath. Okay, so here we go. Oracle time, poetic oracle. And so this poem for today is called The Prettiest Mule. Sometimes a mule does not know what is best for itself. When the mind is confused like that, it secretly desires a master with a skilled whip to guide it to those playgrounds on the earth's table where the sweet one's light has made life more tasty. Hafez always carries such a whip, but I rarely need to use it. I prefer just turning myself into the prettiest mule in town and making my tail sing, knowing your heart will then follow. So what I'm taking away from this poem is that there are two ways to go about walking through this life. The way of the whip, (laughs) where um, we're not sure where we're going. And what we do is we try so hard to seek out guidance, um, to force things to happen, to work so hard to achieve things. There's a lot of doing, do, 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 do. If I do this, then I will achieve my goal. If I do that, I will attain enlightenment. If I do this, do that. It's a lot of doing, um, which is one of the reasons our society is so high strung, 
But then there's also the other path of singing and following that song. Uh, I just love this last stanza that Hafez writes, uh, making my tale sing, knowing your heart will then follow. And so for me, that speaks about being, you know, who are you being? And this is a question I often raise. Who are you being and are you following that? Are you listening to the guidance of your heart? Are you leading with your heart as you continue to just be in the world, to be present, to be fully embodied in your body? Um, And that's interesting that this comes up because this is part three of my three-part series in talking about finding joy in healing. And so if we take a look at what the other two episodes have talked about. The first one was this myth that healing is too hard, right? Um, and then this, this second myth that crying is the only way to heal, that healing is all about crying. And if you listen to those two episodes, you'll know where we're at now. This third installment, this third part of the series is about finding and creating joy in the healing process. Healing doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be angsty. It doesn't have to be weepy. I mean, it can be all those things, but that's not a requirement. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with weepy. I will say that crying, as I said in the previous episode, is a release. You know, when we uh, suffer from trauma, when we've got hurts to heal from, Uh, the body, mind, and spirit need to release those hurts. We feel it, we experience it, but it's not necessary for us to sit in it and hold on to it. And so how can we release that? You know, some folks, they cry it out. You know, I have a, I have one friend, she, she, I, I swear, can cry at the drop of a hat, you know, like on command, Um, and then she gets over it just as quickly. It's so fascinating to witness, you know, she's like crying, crying, crying. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I want to comfort her, but I know after knowing her for, for many years that she'll work through it. She'll ride the wave of the weeping and then just like, "Ah," and then, you know, like wipe her tears away, brush herself off. Like nothing happened. Um, it's quite incredible to witness. I'm like, wow, you know, there was like no decline or unwinding or or like easing out of the the crying. It was just like all of a sudden, okay, faucet's done. I'll turn that off. It's run its course. And where were we? Right. Uh, and I think that's terrific. So, um, I also am thinking about the other ways in which we can release, which is, movement of the body, you know, and it could look like dancing. It could look like swaying side to side. It could look like doing yoga. It could look like not moving physically, but mentally, um, you know, meditation. So what I wanted to talk about for this episode is to find joy in healing, specifically healing from trauma. Um, you know, I have a course that I teach is called Heal to Power. And it's helping women writers of color create their own blueprint for healing. And so we had a class earlier today. um, And I talked a little bit about 
some of the steps in healing from trauma. And one of them is learning how to embrace your trauma. Now you might be thinking like, what? Like what? What? Embrace my trauma? Are you, are you crazy? Like that is some serious pain and suffering. And I don't want to embrace that. Like, no, I'm depressed enough as it is. Um, but that's not what it sounds like. So one of the things is what about the trauma is held in your body, right? It's the, it's, it's the hurt, right? And as a response to that, we've got fear, we've got anger. You know, it's often said that anger is a cover for sadness and grief, uh, for pain and suffering. And, you know, if we can't express that pain, then we act out in anger. Um, and some of us do that because we don't know how to express pain. We don't know how to release it, but we all know anger. We know how, how to work it. We know how to be it, express it. Um, because often those are the examples that we see around us. You know, we got plenty of examples, not just in our own personal lives, but in media, in the movies, TV, whatever. We've got anger everywhere coming at us visually. You know, here are examples of anger. Here's how you deal with your frustration. You throw your fists up in the air, you shout, you get red in the face, you stomp your feet like a little toddler, um, you know, those kinds of things. But have we seen examples of being sad and being in grief and, and how to deal with that? You know, sure, we've got the, we got the stories of, you know, depression, depression and depressing things and, you know, like teen dramas and things like that. But do we ever see how they cope with it, how they handle it? I mean, sometimes we do. But when we're adults, it often is not our first go-to. Um, we don't usually say, oh, I'm sad. Let me sit in it and experience it and feel it and cry a little bit or rock myself or hug myself. These are not automatic um, responses that we've learned growing up. Um, for me, growing up in a, in an immigrant Asian family, crying was not really permitted. Now there was no explicit statement, like you're not allowed to cry, you know, but it was understood that crying was not to be expressed. And so when you bottle that up, uh, the pressure builds and then becomes anger. And so how do we find joy in healing if all that stuff is happening? Well, first we got to release that stuff, right? And I talked about it in the previous episodes. We have to release the anger. We have to release the fear. Um, and there are ways to do that. It's not just, I release fear. You know, it's not, it's not as simple as that. There is some work required. But once you do that, then you create some space for healing to start and to keep in mind that healing is a continuous journey. It's not just something that happens, um, you know, in, a, in the duration of a course and then, da -da -da, you know, it's all done. I'm totally healed. It's a miracle. Six weeks and I'm done. No, no. <laughs> it's um, it's, it's a, a starting point. And the healing is, is continuous. It's an evolution. Um, and part of it also has to do with the fact that we are continuously being traumatized on levels that maybe we're not aware of. I mean, particularly people of color. We are subject to um, racism everywhere we go. You know, different levels of it. You know, some overt, some 
you know, not so co covert, uh, overt, sorry, more <laughs> ninja style microaggressions and such. Uh, but if we can build resilience around our trauma and heal that, then we can no longer be traumatized by racist actions. Um, at least that's the goal. And so I wanted to talk a little about finding joy in healing. Uh, healing is fully being present, right? Being present in this moment without the overwhelm of past experiences. Healing is being able to talk about your trauma as if you would an old friend where you're not triggered, but you acknowledge and embrace it as part of who you are. And when that happens, then you can really experience joy. And I know that for some, joy feels like an elusive emotion. But according to many spiritual teachings, joy is already in us. We are love made manifest and love is, is joy. I mean, how can it not be? So think about how, if joy is already in us, how do we tap into it? How do we peel away all these things that have made us forget who we are at essence? How do we tap into that joy? Well, one of my favorite things is dance, you know, to move the body in, in joy and in dance. And, um, I don't know about you, but I love seeing women just groove and get down and be free with their bodies unapologetically. Um, and there's joy not only in feeling that by being the dancer. You know, going back to the Hafez poem and thinking about the two paths you can take on your spiritual journey, on your healing journey, is you know, on one, on the one hand, you've got the do, 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 you know, I've got this task list of things I need to check off in order to achieve. And there's a, there's a problem word right there, right? Achieve spiritual growth. Like spiritual growth isn't an achievement. It's growth. It's, it's a continual opening of ourselves. Um, and how do you measure opening? You know, it's, it's funny because I'm thinking about a flower, like let's say a rose. And when a rose opens and blooms, it's not thinking like, I'm going to stretch my petals and just open them up as far as possible. No, it's just a natural unfolding, a natural blooming of its petals. And so spiritual growth is similar in that we are continuing to bloom and open and unfold that it's hard to measure achievement. You know, it actually feels kind of weird as I'm talking about it. You know, how do you measure achievement in spiritual growth? Like, is there a, a finish line? You know, are we on a, on a track and I have to run around the track four times to achieve, quote unquote, achieve spiritual growth? Like I bump up a notch to self-awareness and then and then what and then double self-awareness you know it's just funny to think about it in that context so there's the one the one path that some folks take you know if i take this many courses 
on meditation and mindfulness and yoga and whatever else, um, then I will uh, become more enlightened or I will feel more myself. I'll experience spiritual growth. I will do, 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 do. I'll study up on these courses. I'll do all the workbooks. I'll do, um, you know, the journal prompts, whatever it is. You know, I'll meditate every day for five hours. Um, and then I will achieve what everyone's talking about. You know, so that's one path. And the other path is, you know, it's, it's just, and I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about the tortoise and the hare, right? So we've got the tortoise who is slow and steady. And we've got the hare, the rabbit who is like super fast and like, go, 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 let's go, let's go, do, do, do. So the hare is the do, you know, he's doing the, the things to check off the to-do list, to check off the accomplishments. And then the tortoise is the one who's taking his time or taking her time and enjoying the scenery and being present in the moment. She's taking one step forward, then another. And um, eventually, you know, she knows that she'll get to where she needs to go. And that is the embodiment of being. Because it is slow, it is intentional, it's mindful, and there's no goal. There's no, like, if I take this course, then I am certifiably enlightened. <laughs> I mean, that's our, our capitalist economy talking, if you think about it, um, centered around the doing. So what if we are just being? What if we are being present now and thinking about who we are, who we're being, and thinking about our healing, about the weight of trauma we may not be aware that we're carrying, you know, it all starts with awareness. So taking some time to be aware, okay, let's say, you know, I wasn't traumatized in ways that some people think like maybe, no, I wasn't sexually assaulted, but I am a person of color. So I've experienced racism, but that's okay. It wasn't that traumatic. Um, but if you stop, and you look at that, I mean, really look at that and take like one instance of racism, look at it and ask yourself, all right, how did I feel in that moment? What was my body doing? And after that experience, how does my body feel when I come and connect in contact with other people who are similar to what happened? Um, does my body respond the same way? And if it does, then that's a sign of some kind of trauma, some kind of traumatic response. Uh, and to think about what is in that where I'm going to sort of wave it off as, no, 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 that's, that's not trauma. That's just, you know, something else. That's just, that was no big deal. That's often the thing. That's no big deal. Um, but your instinct, your heart knows the truth. Your heart's saying, you know, it was something. And it was a big deal to us. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a big deal to everybody. We feel what we feel and we honor that. And when we honor that, then we can recognize what it actually is. We can recognize trauma for what it is. Um, and trauma also isn't just stuff that happens in a, as an adult. You know, a lot of us suffer from childhood trauma that we may not even be aware of because it's not overt. It's not you know, my parent hit me or my uncle hit me or, you know, 
uh, molested me or whatever. Sometimes it's just neglect. Children are so soft and impressionable and they look to their adults for guidance, for examples, for safety. And when those adults are absent, you know, that is that, that kind of neglect is a level of trauma. Um, and so we, we need to recognize the patterns that we enact in terms of our behaviors. And when we can create awareness around that, when we can create space around that and start embarking on the healing journey to wholeness, you know, because what trauma does is that it breaks us. Um, and what I mean by that is that it breaks certain neural pathways that have served us so well in keeping us healthy and safe and secure. And when trauma happens, those neural pathways get broken, they get interrupted, and then a new one forms. And that new one becomes reinforced every time we come into a situation that feels similar to the original incident. And then that's when re-traumatization happens. So thinking about how we can extend kindness to ourselves as we work towards wholeness, as we work towards gathering the pieces of ourselves and embracing that and loving that and treating it as if you would a child to say to your trauma, I see you and I embrace you and I welcome you in. Um, and you're a part of me now. And when you come to that, which takes work, you know, it's not easy. I'm just saying words right now. And some of you might be like, what is this woman saying? It is insane. That's not, you make it sound so easy. It's not, it's not easy. What I'm saying to you is the awareness, the information I'm sharing is a good place to start that deep work. And when that deep work starts to unfold, then you will find the joy that already lives within you. And that, my friends, is how you find joy in healing. Now to create it, well, if joy is already in us, right, how do we create it? I mean, listen, you sound like you're contradicting yourself, lady. Don't you love how I talk about myself and other voices? <laughs> Well, I'm thinking more about how do you create joy that feels tangible? You can feel the joy right within you. Like sometimes there are these moments where you're like, yes, you know, you'll witness the opening of um, a rose bloom, a rosebud. But how do you create that joy for yourself where you feel it all the time? And, you know, there's a few things you can do. Like some simple things is to create a sense of comfort and safety wherever you are, you know, in your home. You know, think about how your home is decorated. Think about how um, certain textures may make you feel comfortable. Certain scents, and I mean S-C-E-N-T, um, you know, essential oils or incense or perfumes even, 
where can you create a sense of comfort for yourself? And when our bodies feel comfort, when our bodies feel secure and safe, that's when you can start to creep into the experience of joy. Sometimes, you know, the dancing will want to happen. So think about what music brings you joy. Make a playlist and just dance your heart out. You know, shut the door, put some headphones on. No one can hear you if you, you know, live with other people. And then just dance, just let it all go. Think of that as a moving meditation. Because when you're in the groove of dancing, I don't know about you, I'm not thinking about anything else. I am in the moment, I am feeling my body, I'm feeling the music, and it is just awesome. So try that, you know? And, and I will say, you know, in our pandemic situation, it's, uh, it's hard to motivate to do much of anything, right? Especially if you've been staying home for most of the last six, seven months, however long it's been. It's really hard to make that effort. Um, so easy to just sit in pajamas and like lay around and put a computer on your lap and type away. And, you know, it's like, why do I want to dress up? Why do I want to dance? Like that's, no, I'm tired, blah, 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 right? It's hard, but ask yourself, is this really what I want to do with my time on earth? And I'm not saying, you know, that that kind of question pre-pandemic usually was met with something like, I'm going to go live out in the world. I'm going to travel. I'm going to, you know, check off my bucket list, all these things. But now we have a different context for that question. Now it's, you know, how am I living my life? How am I spending my time now in this moment? Because we don't know when we'll get to travel again. We don't know when we'll get to hang out with people in a, in a way that feels quote unquote normal, which I guess I'll just say pre-pandemic times, you know, are we going to hang out with a bunch of people with no mask and hug them and like in a enclosed space an indoor space, who knows? But for now, because we are here and breathing right now in this moment, ask yourself, how can I create joy for myself because I deserve it? Because you do. To be sort of lax about it and be like, uh, yeah, I just, mm, I'm tired. You know, I don't want to do it. Feels too hard or, you know, corny or whatever, whatever story you're telling yourself, right? Know that that's your ego trying to keep you down, trying to keep you away from joy. Because for the ego, joy might feel dangerous. Joy feels like ego's worst enemy. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but right now it feels that way. You know, like what if we're joyful? Ego's going to be like, I don't, I'm not going to have a job. You know, I don't know what to do. Like my job as, as ego is to worry, is to like want to take control. Um, and then if joy comes in, well then what the heck? I'm, I'm not going to be needed. And I don't want to do that. So I, I gotta, I gotta shut down joy. I gotta just make sure that we're comfortable enough to just sit and, and, and do, do stuff on our to-do list. 
And so I invite you to peel your butt off of the couch or off of that office chair to go on Spotify or wherever you create playlists. Make a quick mix, some dance mix. Just pick like five songs. You know, you don't want to make it too hard for yourself that you end up like, you know, quitting before you even start. So just say five songs, good dance music um, that, that, you know, that makes you feel joyful, that lifts you up. Like one of my favorites right now is, um, and that's probably everybody's favorite, is the um, Whitney Houston's version of Higher Love with uh, Kygo doing the DJ stuff. Um, love love that song it's so high vibe it makes me so happy fills me with joy and i just want to dance so like songs like that you know so put five songs into a quick playlist and pause everything put your phone on do not disturb unless you're you know houston spotify on that Um, and then just dance just dance even if it's just like for one song but just dance and remember what it feels like to move your body you know and if that feels too much ask yourself why go deeper into that resistance why do i not want to dance for one song one like three minute song why do i not want to do this moving meditation and it's not i'm too tired there is a deeper answer than that it's not well i got xyz to do Mm -mm. there's something else going on so look deeper ask yourself this question what else is there So let's say you do the playlist, you got like higher love on there. You're like, feels good, feels good, but yeah, no, I'll do it later. Or, well, right after this phone call, or maybe I'll take a nap first, or, you know, I got to grab a snack. You know, what is that resistance about? If you notice that, and you can go deeper to find out like, hey, well, why don't you want to? experience like three minutes of joy you might be able to start that healing process you might be able to start to embrace your trauma when you recognize the resistances around any work that involves transmuting that trauma because often we're so used to carrying it that we're like yeah you know I'm good survived this this long and uh yeah so far so good but that's not the kind of life we want to live is it you know we're put on this planet to to thrive to learn stuff to grow not to just survive and just be like yeah i'm good because you know why i'm a deep believer in reincarnation and the purpose of reincarnation which is to evolve the soul and i feel like People who just are okay with surviving, who say, yeah, you know, I'm good. You know, so far, so good. I feel like they'll come back in the next life in the same spot. (laughs) And then it'll just continue until finally something shifts where it's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be on this planet to do something that will advance my evolution something that will allow my highest self to really blossom, to really show itself on this earth so that others can see my example and also evolve and become highest, brightest selves. 
But you know, that's just me. Thought I'd offer that to you guys. <laughs> so think about it, you know, think about what you're settling for. Think about, can you find joy? Can you create it? Think about what it means to begin healing your trauma in order to sustain the joy within you. Because we can have our traumas, we can hold them, we can sit in our pain and suffering, and we can still feel joy. That is true. We can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. But imagine what joy would feel like without the weight of survival mentality without the weight of the fear and anger linked to the weight of trauma. Imagine what that joy would feel like when that trauma is transmuted into something lighter, something that's part of you, something that celebrates you as the human being you are in this moment. Oh my God, how amazing. I'm just thinking about it. Like this joy is expansive. It's, it's unabashed. It's untethered. It's like boundless, limitless, like the sky, like space. Imagine experiencing that all the time. Oh, I'm just getting like high vibes just thinking about that. It's so exciting. It's got me motivated just to like go make a playlist and dance. So that, my friends, is how you create joy and healing is to ask yourself these deeper questions, to look beyond the excuses, to really investigate the resistances, and then see what happens. And on that note, my friends, we are going to close this episode with a poem by an amazing poet. Her name is Safia El Hilo. And uh, this poem is from her book called The January Children, which is amazing, amazing. You should get it. Uh, the poem is called The Last Time Marvin Gaye Was Heard in the Sudan. At a party in Amdurman, lights strung among the date palms. My not-yet-mother, honey legs in a skirt, opens her mouth, and the night air is the gap in her teeth. She sings in a lilting English to a slow song, while bodies around her pair off and press close. Before he is my father, my father smokes a cigarette and shows all his teeth when he laughs, wants to ask the dark gold girl how her English got so good, what the words mean, and could he sing something sometime into the gap in her teeth but first, police arrive, rip lanterns from trees, and fire a shot. Through the final notes of the song, and tonight, my parents do not meet. Hmm. I just love the imagery in that poem. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed this three-part series on healing. I hope that this has been an invitation for you to really sit with your trauma and examine its role in your life and to ask the question if you are ready to move forward if you're ready to heal to let go of the weight and if you are reach out to me 
you know, you can drop me a comment on Instagram. You can send me an email. All that stuff will be in the show notes. Um, or you can just say hi. Let me know what you think of these episodes. I love hearing from my listeners and uh, it feels more engaging when you respond because sometimes I feel like I'm just talking into the ether. <laughs> I know I'm not. I know I got some folks listening. So it's just nice to, to get some some feedback. So feel free to, to reach out. And so to wrap up this episode, as always, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Healing trauma is different for everybody, but it's often overlooked when it comes to women of color. No one talks about healing from the insistent pain of racism and the perpetual trauma of having our nervous system under attack. So what does healing look like for us? And how can healing empower us to build resilience and thrive despite these oppressive circumstances? In my eight-week course, Heal to Power, I guide you through the challenges of healing from traumas, including the wounds of racism and sexism, in ways that work from the inside out. Step into your power now. Get on the wait list for when doors open again in May 2021. Go to com slash heal to power waitlist for more info. Because you are worth healing. Your best life starts now.